Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode and I'm really excited about today's guest. We have Dila Scan with us and she is an expert with sales. She comes with so much experience and is in the UK helping B2B companies there with their sales cycle. So she came on today with us to share with us how to reduce time to close. So if your deals are taking too long, she's got some really great tips on how to shorten that sales cycle. Also increase average deal size. So if you're only getting, let's say $100 a month, how to get 20% more from your MRR from your clients. So really good tips here. We also talk about the biggest mistakes that she's seen with her clients and she's got three really big ones that we cover so it's really a good episode really hope that you enjoy it and if you need help if you're an early stage startup and you need help with your sales or defining your your process feel free to reach out to us at startupsales.io that's startupsales.io let's get to today's episode with Dillis. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Hey, everybody. Before we get started in this episode, I know that you're eager to get going, but I wanted to ask for your help. We want to get the word out there more that uh, this podcast exists. So if you're finding value in this and you really are enjoying this, would you mind please sharing this with your colleagues or putting it on social media as much as you can so that we get the word out there and we could continue to deliver more and more content like this? Really appreciate your help and uh, thank you very much. Hey, Dillis, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Adam. Thank you so much for asking me. Yeah, I'm really excited for today's episode. I was looking at your background and everything. I think you have a lot to share with us. Can you tell everybody who you are and where you come from? Yes, indeed. My name is Dillis Guyan. I'm originally from the northeast of England, but have lived in Oxford in the UK for the last 30 years. So I think I'm an Oxfordonian or whatever you might call that. I'm not <laughs> sure now after all of this time. All right, great. And what about your work background? What's your experience? Right. Okay. So if you cut me in two, I've got sales and marketing running through my veins. It's what I have always done. I started my career in the bank left and went into financial services with the bank. So I started as a financial advisor. After nine months, I was promoted to field sales manager with no team. But actually, I loved that because I could instill the passion that I had for getting out there and putting that financial safety net in place for business owners, individuals, for families to make sure that if, if for any reason their income stopped, they could continue with the standard of living. And so that was what I did, had a very, very successful team. And then after five years, I was promoted to regional sales director, where I was managing 70 advisors, seven field sales managers, and responsible for all of the financial services targets in the branches in my region. Mm -hmm. In 1999, we were top in the country. And there's a story to tell, but for another day, I suspect. <laughs> but I left and set up my own business doing sales and sales leadership for the big international corporates. So I was traveling around the world 
with many of the very large corporates helping their sales teams and the sales leaders. But about five years ago, six years ago, actually, I was shattered with the traveling because I think I'm just 27. But if you, <laughs> I don't know whether you're recording this or people can see, but I'm obviously not 27. But I was shattered with the traveling and I thought, I've got to just change my business model. So I decided to bring my skills to the SME market. So businesses who are selling to bigger businesses, but haven't necessarily got large sales and marketing departments or training departments, but have a a small sales team. Or maybe in some cases, the business owner is doing their own selling. I'm also course director for the Chartered Institute of Marketing and deliver my sales and leadership course for them. And last year, I was thrilled to bits. I got an email from Side Business School, which is part of Oxford University, asking me if I would deliver a sales course to their MBA students. So I was shocked that they even needed that. But apparently, they learned the theory, but not the practical side. So I was <laughs> delighted to do that. So I'm like an evangelist, getting the message out to both salespeople and business owners as to how to bring in high quality, ideal clients on a consistent basis. That's my mission. Uh, that's an incredible story. And uh, congratulations on the the huge compliment of being asked to teach another class and everything. Thank you very much. So when you're working with these uh, smaller, earlier stage companies, what's one of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing them make as far as it comes to their sales? I actually see three big mistakes. Firstly, they give up too soon. And what I mean by that is they will make one contact. So they will send an email or they will make one phone call or they might connect on LinkedIn. And because they don't get a reply or they don't get the reply that they want, they then move on to the next potential client. And the problem with that is that research has shown that only 2% of sales are made on first contact, and it's 80% are made between the fifth and 12th contact. So if you haven't got a, a multiple contact strategy, you could be absolutely worn out. You're going to be going from potential client to potential client. You'll eventually run out of potential clients. But worse than that, the frustration sets in. And once that frustration sets in and you start losing your confidence, it comes over in the way that you speak. And it comes over as very needy because then you get into desperation mode. So A multiple contact is what's required. It's looking and saying, right, who are my ideal clients, first of all, and how can I reach out to them? What is my strategy going to be? My favorite is to connect on LinkedIn and then start and share some of the things, like some of the things so that I get onto the radar. Then I would send an email. Then I'll make a phone call. And then on that phone call, I refer to the email and it doesn't matter whether they've read it or not. If they have, then I can talk more about it. If they haven't, I say, no problem. Let me tell you what it was about. And then we can move through from there. And it's remembering that the email is to sell the phone call. The phone call is to sell the appointment. And it's at the appointment where you make the sale. Absolutely. When you're reaching out to people on LinkedIn, I think you said something really big that you're going to either comment on one of their posts or like their posts. You're not sending them a message trying to sell them then. Oh, gosh, I hate that. 
I hate it. Even when people say, look, I thought you might be interested in this. I don't even like that. And so yeah. I get onto their radar, first of all. And when you're commenting, generally they'll comment back. And so you, your name is getting in front of them. And with a name like mine, Dillis Guyan, it's, you know, <laughs> it stands it's out. pretty un unmistakable. <laughs> all right. And what's the, what are the other two mistakes? Well, the next one actually feeds in nicely from that first one in that people are too eager to talk about their product. And so I call this, it's all about me. And sadly, you know, for those listening, your prospective clients are not interested in you, your product, your service, how long you've been in business, how long your business has been established. They're not interested. What yeah. they're interested in is what your product or service will do for them, how it will help them achieve their objectives or how it will solve problems for them. So if you go in with a, a list of things, here's what we do, this, 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 and this, people will just delete your email or they will tell you very quickly on the telephone that they're not interested. So it's about understanding your client. And actually, I'm going to sort of backpedal a little bit here. I've already mentioned it, but it's really important that you understand who your ideal client is. Yeah. And once you've understood that, then get into the shoes and understand where are they now and where do they want to be? What are the challenges that might stop them getting there? What's the impact of those challenges? And what would be the benefits of change? And why should they choose you? So think about all of those things. You know, Do that preparation work before you start contacting. And then you can relate to those elements should be in your marketing. And there's something else I would like to add here that will help your listeners. If they're looking to get into a new business, they should be researching that business. And what will help them is to put the name of that company into google.com forward slash alerts. So I call it Google Alerts. And then anything that's happening over the internet they will get an alert because you can choose. You can either have daily, weekly, or monthly. So you can you'll get that alert, which will give you great insights that you can use in your email or your telephone call. And I can just give you an example of this. A number of years ago, I was looking. I had a pharmaceutical company on my prospect list, and I put them into Google.com forward slash alerts. And I got a, an email one day telling me that they had issued the financial report. So in the executive summary, the chairman had said, what a wonderful year they'd had. I'm just giving you kind of a, a, yeah. a, a, a summary. A summary, that's the exact word. They'd had a, a brilliant year, 20% uplift year on year, which was massive, but they were being negatively affected to the tune of 5% on currency fluctuation. And so I cut that information out of the summary and I sent an email and, and I had already worked out that the decision maker was called Mark. Dear Mark, I noticed in your financial report that your chairman said, and I pasted in that paragraph, I work with other pharmaceutical companies just like yours, helping them to increase revenue to mitigate any losses in currency fluctuation. My average sales increase is anywhere between 20 and 400 percent. 
And one of my clients, in fact, increased sales revenue from 126,000 to 1.1 million in 12 months. Yeah. So that's giving you a success story. If you're interested in increasing your sales revenue to mitigate your, your losses and currency fluctuation, please call me on or email me at. Yeah. I got a reply to that within the morning. So I got it before lunchtime that day. And I went along, had a meeting, I had to present to the board, and then I secured that work. And they said, how did you know about that? <laughs> I said, because I saw it in your financial report. And they said, yeah, but out of all of the financial reports, how did you find ours? And I said, because I'm interested in you as a company. Yeah. And and so I found it during my research. Because no other person is is sitting there sending them a personalized email absolutely, like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just to say that now there are products that you can, I didn't even know there were products that you can buy from financial institutions to yeah. secure currency rates. I didn't even know that at the time. And I don't know whether they were there at the time. But it didn't matter. The email made the difference, that that personalization. And this is what makes the difference. So you've got to move away from what I call pebble dash selling, where you're just product dumping and talking about product all of the time, hoping that something will stick. This is about making it as personal as you can. And even if you can't get something as personal as that, you could take some research. So Miller Hyman, did some research. It's a massive company that does research on sales institutions and selling and so on. And they identified that 18.6% of salespeople leave their organization every year. It's yeah. massive. It's massive. And it takes up to 10 and a half months to get a new salesperson fully trained and effective. And ramped up. And, yeah. Yeah. And really ramped up. So I use that as a first paragraph when I'm sending out emails, you know, recent research has shown that blah, blah, blah. I work with companies helping them to reduce the attrition rate and reduce ramp up time of new hires. And of course, it resonates. So people go, oh my gosh, that was what I was thinking. Yeah, because it hits a button for them. It hits a button about one of their employees that just left and things like that. Yeah, indeed. I think what one of the things you also said was going back to like sending the message, so many people will jump on the phone and instead of saying how the company could help them, they want to start showing the features and they just jump right into a demo yeah. instead of qualifying and asking questions. Just say, hey, let me show you the demo and just throw up on them and it's so bad. And it, it just kind of reminded me of what, what you were saying is how important it is to bring value as it relates to them. Yes. Yeah. And I always say that your marketing should resonate with whatever's going on in the head of the recipient. Yeah. So that they they read it or listen to it and they go, my God, that's me. You know, how did this person know this? Have they been inside my head? Are they mind readers? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What's the third mistake? So the third one is all tactics, no strategy. So this is about just going out and doing a little bit of emailing or they post some things on social media or they make some random phone calls without first of all and I really really impress this on everyone is about having a written plan and that includes your goals and I really impress on written and again this was research done by Harvard Business School who went back out to interview their past students who had gone into business and only 3% of the total of, of the 100% had written plans and goals. 
but they made more than the other 97% put together. And the reason that I love to have things written down, and I'm always writing things down, I write down lists and so on, but I'm always, you know, I write my plan and my goals and so on, is it gives you such clarity. It really helps you to to tease down exactly, you know, what what you want to achieve and then breaking that down into bite-sized chunks. Because you can't eat an elephant in one go, but you can (laughs) in bite-sized chunks. And so written is really important. And also, you know what you're going to be doing. And within that plan, you need to have your ideal clients. So who do you want to work with? And and this is actually my daughter and son-in-law who've got a, a build a carpentry business. And after about two years, I was talking to Drew, my son-in-law, and I said, how's it going? He said, I'm sick to death. I said, well, why? He said, I'm just sick of clients asking me for quotes, and I spend hours putting the quote together only to find they haven't got the money, and they are late payers. They ask for additional things to be done throughout the job, but they don't want to pay. They really nitpick. And worse than that, some of the jobs aren't even profitable, and some of the stuff I don't like doing because he's a master craftsman, this this lad. So I said, well, is there anybody you do like working with? And he said, oh, gosh, yeah, I've got Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, and I've got this business and this business and this business. I said, right, come round with Helen, and we'll profile your ideal clients. And once we've profiled them, then we can find more of them. And that was what we did. And so once we profiled them and we were able to then get in their shoes and understand what are the problems, what are the challenges of these people, what are the concerns, then they were able to market where their ideal client was with messages that resonated and they had a multiple marketing strategy which helped them start and grow their business. And the business went up on an upward trajectory of, it was incredible. It was like, you know, he's got guys working for him now, he's got more vans, and he's doing work with top-end clients, work that he loves, and they're paying promptly. Yeah, it's so important to have that ideal client profile figured out to actually be able to visualize that person that you want to be talking to and speaking to so that your marketing material, your sales material, all speaks to them and where they are in their buying cycle. Yeah, exactly. So they're the three biggest mistakes. Give up too soon. It's all about me and all tactics, no strategy. <laughs> Great. I, I have a whole list of questions. I've got 10 questions to, to ask of you and I, <laughs> we're not going to get through all of them. Well, I think those are, those are really good mistakes, big mistakes, not good mistakes, but big mistakes that are good examples of what people should actually keep an eye out for mm. and learn from. One of the things that I'm, I see on your LinkedIn profile that you you have a lot of experience in helping reduce the sales cycle times and also increase your average deal size. So I want to kind of like give some like top tips to the people listening. And what would you say are like the quick wins for an early stage company to reduce the sales cycle time? First of all, as I've mentioned, understand your client, really get into the shoes, really understand them. But it's also about questioning. And 
when you are going through your questioning, it's getting them to answer and for them to see what the challenges are, what the impact is, and what the financial impact is. And it's that financial impact that really makes the difference. Because nobody is going to buy a £50,000 or dollar solution if they think they've got a £50 problem. So you've really got to help them to see that, but you can only do it by questioning. You can't do it by telling. So this is all part of your preparation work is, is preparing your questions, like where are they now, where do they want to be, and really getting them to see that vision and understand what that would mean to them as a business and as an individual, then looking at what might stop them getting there, the impact of that, and the financial impact, and what would be the benefits of change. That automatically has people kind of making the sale to themselves because, you know, if you're asking questions like, so if you did nothing, what would happen? Yeah. And I've got potential clients who say to me, we don't actually have an option as we're going through this. And I'm seeing what an impact this is having and the financial impact. So that absolutely will shorten your sales cycle when you're asking those really good questions. And the other thing that I would recommend to the listeners is always, always, always have the next steps in place. So what are the next steps that you're going to take? Let's say you're talking to the decision maker about selling a technical product. Then go through what I've just talked about and then arrange your next step to go and talk to the people who are using the technical product. Yeah. And there's a couple of things happen here is that they will become advocates for you because generally nobody does it. Nobody goes <laughs> and talks to them. So they love being listened to and you really get the real world challenges for them that you're able to then take that information back to the decision maker and at the same time, these people, your technicians, are becoming advocates of yours and they are going to the decision maker and saying, cool, that was, you know, that person was really great. They really listened yeah. to me. Momentum is so key in the deal cycle. And if you lose that momentum, it's, it's so hard to get it back and so hard to get it rolling again. Yes. Yeah. But I, I think one of the, the, the biggest things really is to get people to see what the impact of not doing yeah. anything would mean. Absolutely. So that's what I would recommend for shortening the sales cycle in terms of increasing deal size. Well, before increasing the deal size on, on the deal cycle thing, I think that's also important to expand on something that you said, because asking them the right questions and things and to bring out their pain point is very vital. But what happens so many times I see from newer reps or inexperienced salespeople is that they'll ask them like very directly, assuming that they have those pain points, and then it puts up defenses. Don't ask in an assumption type of way. Yeah. Ask in a curious way that kind of back end brings it around so that they don't have their defenses up and then they will tell you that they have that pain point. Yeah. And when you're asking, button your lip, zip it and listen. Listen <laughs> to understand, not just to hear. Because often, particularly with new people, they're so hell-bent on what the next question is going to be. They can't concentrate on the answer properly to really understand what's being said. To then ask a further question on the back of that and really go deeper. People love to talk to you and explain what, what they want to explain. And they love being listened to. What about increasing average deal size? What do you think the, the best quick wins are for that? Right. Okay. I want to deal with a couple of things here, particularly for new startups and, and new reps and so on. 
is don't go in desperate for a start. Otherwise, however, your mind will move to the most dominant thought, whether it's positive or negative, and your actions will follow. If you're desperate, it will come out in the words you use and the way that you speak. Yeah. So that's number one. Secondly is don't think that you need to go in and bag the whole lot. You can start with a small piece of business, develop the relationship, develop the trust between you, and then you can move on to the next one and expand from that. I worked with a company. It was a a large national chocolate company. This is many years ago. And I went in and did a piece of work with the store managers. So it was about leadership. It was about sales leadership. And I did that piece of work, but through doing that, I identified another opportunity that they were missing to make corporate sales through the retail stores. So I went to the CEO and shared it with him and he said, absolutely fantastic. I want you to roll this out. And so I ended up rolling out the next bit of business. From that, I identified another opportunity and went back to the CEO and talked to him about that and the return on investment and so on. And and, and that piece of business was £100,000 just that piece of business, and, you know, so I had the, the first piece, then the second piece, and then that third piece. So don't think that you have to go in for everything. On the other hand, when you're asking your questions, it's your duty to find out the financial impact of where they are now with whatever subject you're talking about, because you can't sell in everything. You are not frightened to say, Here's what I can do for you, this, 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 and this, and here's the investment, whatever it is. And particularly with new people, they, they tend to view something based on their experience. And I mentioned to you earlier that I've been in financial services. So I used to have to talk a lot about, you know, you might think 100,000 is a lot. Someone else might think 100,000 is something that you could spend in one night at the absolutely. So it's not from your perspective. This goes back to what you were saying before, Adam, about don't assume things. So don't assume somebody can't afford it. And when you are delivering your solution after you've got all of the questions answered and you recap on what you've been told and then you present your solution and you give your the investment for it, you must do it with confidence. Even if inside, you know, your toes are curling and you're like a you're like a swan and you're flapping under the water, just find that confidence and use a confident voice. Not yeah. too fast and not as numbs in between <laughs> and shoulders slumped. Straight back, confident, because when you speak with confidence, someone will feel confident. Yeah. If you don't, they won't. And then this is where you get the objections. Absolutely. I think that's uh, that's advice that people should be listening to. Uh, I think we're going to really have to do a, a part two here. <laughs> but let's ask a couple more basic questions that don't require diving deep. What's your favorite tool that you use for sales? I like LinkedIn, actually, is my yeah. favorite tool. More than the Google Alerts? I love Google Alerts as well. <laughs> Actually, you're right. I love Google Alerts the most. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. What about your favorite book for sales or leadership? Oh, my favorite book. I've got two. Uh, one is Jeb Blunt, and that's B-L-O-U-N-T, Fanatical Prospecting. It is a fabulous book. I've got it earmarked. I've got post-it notes in. I've got highlights. It's a really, really fantastic book. I have a lot of respect for for Jeb Blunt. 
The other one is Jill Conrath, Selling to Big Companies. That's a really good book. Okay, I haven't read that one. I have to yeah. uh, put it in on the list. Yeah, it's excellent. And actually, Jeb Blunt has just brought out an audio of his book. His, I think, I'm not sure if, if Fanatical Prospecting's in audio yet, but he's got another book called Objections. Yeah, I'll put those in the uh, in the show notes for people to uh, quickly find. All right. So, what's one piece of advice that you have for all the early stage startup founders that are out there? Have confidence in yourself, even when you haven't. And preparation is absolutely key. But don't give up. Absolutely don't give up. And go and, you know, listen to Adam's podcast. Find, (laughs) read books. Find people who you can emulate. Go and observe your, you know, top performers in your company if you're a salesperson. I do this with everything that I do, even now after all of these years that I've been working in, in sales and marketing and sales leadership. What went well? What didn't go well? What do I need to do differently? So that all of the time you're on an upward track of improvement. Don't be stuck. No matter what, don't be stuck. Go and ask for help if you need it. Terrific. Dillis, thanks so much for joining us. And and I want to plug you a little bit for everybody that's listening. If you enjoyed this episode, Dillis has her own podcast. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's called the Inspired Selling Podcast. Thank you very much, Adam. The Inspired Selling Podcast, and it is specifically for business owners and salespeople who sell to bigger businesses or want to, and it covers how to attract, convert, and keep more of your ideal clients on a consistent basis with a lovely big dollop of mindset. (laughs) So when you've got those negative things, that negative chatter that goes on, it helps you with that as well. So I would love you to sign up. I've also got a a private Facebook group called Inspired Selling, which supports in exactly the same way. Perfect. So I'll I'll put the links in the show notes for that. How can people reach out to you if they want to uh, get a hold of you? My website is dillisguyan.com. So that's D-Y-L-I-S g-u-y-a-n.com. And on there, they could actually book a 30-minute strategy session, a complimentary strategy session with me if they would like to, or they could email me at dillisguyan.com. And I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Dillis Guyan, or Inspired Selling on Facebook. Terrific. Dillis, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Adam. Thank you for asking me. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io.